can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So Joe, I, <laughs> I just wanted to talk to you about something. So I posted this meme, which I thought was so relevant to this podcast. Um, and the responses were shocking. Um, so the meme I posted was me having an entire convo about my ex with the laser hair removal lady, and it was a duck <laughs> spread eagle. Did you see that thing I posted? Yes. Yeah, I did see that. It was funny. <laughs> okay. So then I got, and then I got these responses. So the first one was, or realizing halfway through my Brazilian wax that the beautician was engaged to my ex boyfriend. <gasps> what? Yeah, 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 Did, yeah. Please There's tell a, me you got an explainer. Please tell me no, you got an explainer. I didn't. I didn't. Oh my but I got god! A, but I got another one, and then someone else sent off the back of that. My mum's midwife was my dad's ex. How many? My mum's midwife was. Oh, what? Wait, what? So she's <laughs> dad, giving birth, yeah, yeah. and the ex is delivering the baby, yeah, and yeah, the dad's yeah. there, and looking <gasps> at the baby come out of the vagina. Some people's lives are just are crazy. Insane. How does that even happen? I think I think she. If I knew that my husband's ex it, was a yeah. midwife and I was having a baby, <laughs> I would make it my mission to find out exactly where she worked and what shifts she was on. Well, she said it wasn't planned only because I was born right after New Year's Eve, so they were short-staffed. Ah, so they obviously didn't oh. want the ex-girlfriend as the midwife, but they were short-staffed. What can you do when you have? Having a baby, oh, what can you do? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If I got put in that situation, I think that would really throw me off the childbirth. They're looking at your mm. vagina. <laughs> and That's the worst part. It's not, it's not like they're stalking you on Instagram and seeing your yeah. face and, like, accidentally yeah. li- liking they're your photo. You at- they're actually looking at your vagina. I love those stories. If you guys have got <laughs> wild stories More. like that, can you please post them to the Facebook group? I need to see more of this. Like if you've got some kind of coincidental stories that are almost unbelievable, please send them on our Facebook group and we'll share them. Yeah. Um, No, the only other thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, we haven't done a What Are You Watching in a while. Oh, yes. So all over Instagram, I don't know, you haven't seen Euphoria, but Euphoria Season 2 has come out. I loved Season 1 and so I don't have binge over here and – and I've been dying and I just see all these memes oh. and I see lots of people sharing about it and I don't want spoilers, yeah. spoilers lots everywhere. Of spoilers. And so mm. I was like, I've, so I ended up going on Apple TV last night and I saw it there and it said I could buy it. So I bought it and I've watched, <laughs> and I've watched seven episodes in 24 hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I've got one, I've got one episode left now, but mm-hmm. what I wanted to say was what, I don't know if you've seen like the memes and stuff about they're in high school. And yes. The shit that they wear. I've heard. But also the makeup. I thought the, the makeup's amazing. It's like 
it's very colorful. It's like sparkly. They yes. go all out. And I just can't believe that teenagers in high school firstly dress like that and then wear, and are able to do their makeup so well. Well, you know that it's a fictional series and they've got makeup artists on set. <laughs> I know. But, but I do like, agree that there is, is teenagers it? out there that have yeah. amazing fashion sense Skills. and they've got amazing makeup. And we did not look like that when we were 16. So <laughs> the other one that I st- I've started watching some other series there, Anna. Anna. Yes, Inventing Anna. Have you watched that yet? Of, yes, I'm nearly at the end. Okay, I started it and then the other yeah. – it's okay. And then the other one I started – oh, the one that I'm going to start tonight is Pam and Tommy. I watched The Weekend Away on – it's a movie. It's got Leighton Meester in it. It's on Netflix. Oh, was that good? It. It's good. Actually, maybe don't because you're away from home. You'll get scared. Um, oh, okay. I take that back. <laughs> I, do want some, I do want some comedy recommendations because I watched Afterlife. Do you watch Afterlife? Yes, I love Afterlife. It's one of my favourite shows. I, If you haven't seen Afterlife, where have you been? That is so, yes. so funny. I highly that's probably my That's probably my favourite series, one of my favourite series of all time. There's our recommendations for you, everyone. We're happy to also hear recommendations for shows that you think Hannah and I might like. Uh, send them to us on the Facebook group. I'd like some funny ones, like really funny mm. ones, because like I'm I've run out of funny series. So yeah, if you've got any mm-hmm. new like hilarious series, let me know. Yeah. So what's on today's episode, Joe? Uh, on today's episode, we uh, have Amy Clark from our team joining us to talk about her journey with nail biting. Uh, that's with Matt and I. And then we're chatting to Dr. Cara McDonald about pigmentation in hot climates, which was your request. Uh, and of course, our products we didn't know we needed. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that's close to Amy's heart, which is nail biting. And it was your recommendation, Amy. So you're here to talk to Matt and I about it. Yes. Tell us why you wanted to discuss nail biting today as our cringy combo. I did pitch for this. I pitched for this topic. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, nice to be back on the podcast. Um, and thanks, guys, for having me to talk about nail biting. I am a reformed chronic nail biter. I actually wrote a Beauty IQ article about it and filmed a YouTube video a while ago, but I feel like if you're a nail biter, it's a BAU issue, you know? So the more we talk about it, the better. For those who don't know what BAU means, we work in marketing. It means business as usual. I was about to say, Amy, I'm excited for this because I'm not a reformed nail biter. I'm a current nail biter. And it is business as usual for you is nail biting. I feel like it's one of those things where to break a habit, you have to want to break a habit. And I just Mm. don't think it's ever been like in the forefront of my mind enough, but I'm ready to be convinced. You're ready to be helped? I am. Okay, great. Amy, how long have you been a nail biter for before you uh, reformed? I was a nail biter for over 20 years. So started, It's I can almost never imagine a time when I wasn't biting my nails. Mm -hmm. So as far back as my memory goes into childhood, I was a nail biter. And I don't, I Mm. couldn't tell you how it started, but I'm going to assume like any kind of nervous habit or any of these weird habits Mm. that we get, it was probably a stress or coping mechanism of some kind. Yeah. Biting nails, um, biting the skin around the nails, chewing on the nails to the point where often they would bleed or they really hurt. If you're a nail biter, you know when you've bitten too far down to mm. the quicks or whatever it's called oh, and it I'm just hurts. imagining that feeling now. I've just yeah. got full body goosebumps. It 
hurts so bad and you're like why did I do this to myself and you know when you've gone too far but and this was kind of I guess for a long time you know was really only affecting me in that no one else cares if you're a nail biter but then when you start working in beauty and you need to take product shots for a living Mm. um I think the turning point for me was uh one article that I wrote and the Facebook image was my hand holding a product and some beautiful human being out there replied on there saying, can someone please get this woman a manicure? This photo makes me want to vomit, Um, referring to my poor little fingers. And then I thought, okay, you know, mean, but also fair point. Like (laughs) (laughs) I probably really should stop biting my nails. And also the fact that I've had um, my front two teeth fillings redone a handful of times simply from nail biting. Uh, So it was time to, you know, grow up and really dedicate to breaking this habit. And I did for anyone listening that is, that's wanting to be on the same path. There's a few implications as well with nail biting. I'm glad you said the, the nervous kind of coping mechanism side of it because it is often associated with nervousness or anxiety and most of us would have experienced that before like it's just a go-to habit that you kind of do if you're really nervous and there's also little ticks and things that you can pick up and little habits that you have yourself when you're nervous I feel like my habit is touching my hair all the time um, but I'm sure I've had like habits that have changed throughout my life too. But it's hard to break that oh. when you are in the habit. It's just you do it subconsciously. Absolutely. You don't realise that you're doing it. Some people it's pulling out their eyelashes or playing yes. with their brow hairs. Um, yep. Some people it's actually, yeah, pulling out hairs or playing with their yeah. hair. And, and there's names for these um, habits as well. So nail biting actually does have like a really long name, but I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try to. Um, but, yeah, I was going to say it does have some implications because obviously we pick up a lot of bacteria under our nails. Yeah. So you can be like chronic nail biters can be more prone to infection in their mouth and like around their face because you're constantly putting your hands up to your face yeah. and exposing other areas to that bacteria, yeah. but also damaging the skin and like the nail bed as well. Yeah. It's all, you make some very good um, rational points there, Joe. but when you're in the midst of the I know, biting, I know. I could not care I less I'm not that I've just I'm been on, in, an, in an elevator and pressed the buttons. Doesn't bother me at all. And actually. Yeah. Um, you're probably not thinking that at the no, time. No, I am. Um, but all very valid points. Probably the the biggest one for me, yeah, was the cosmetic slash like aesthetic mm. reasons in that I just yeah. want my hands to look nice because I'm taking photos with mm-hmm. them so often and also my teeth because I can't yes. keep going back and having these front teeth feelings redone again and again and again. Mm. So talk us through, you've obviously done the YouTube video and you've done an article as well, which we'll link in the episode notes. Matt, that can be your job. Yeah. Um, so tell us, talk us through those steps that you took to become a reformed nail biter, Amy, for those out there that are also going through the same thing. Okay. I'll, I'll say this is that I tried a lot of things before um, that didn't work. A lot of those, I guess, if you type into Google how to stop biting your nails, the common things you'll come up with are the yucky tasting nail polish. It's mm. not not discussed, wasn't disgusting enough for me. I, I can, I can chew through that. Um, <laughs> you get used to it. It's an acquired taste. Um, I use that, I, but I use like this one that was like almost an over the counter one. Like it was intense. And what I found though, is like, 
it wouldn't just be on my nails. It'd be like if I touched anything and if I was like eating something with my hands, it would make that taste like it as well. So my mind <laughs> wasn't associated, associating the bad taste with like biting my nails. It's just associating it with everything. So it just made like my life worse for a little while. So it like, yeah. didn't help at yeah. all. <laughs> so that obviously hasn't worked for Matthew or I, um, but you know, you do you. Everyone's on their own journey. Um, the other thing that I've tried, I have actually tried hypnotherapy so have you yeah so um, I didn't know that I gave that a go I tried it for a few like a few different habits um and person like I loved the experience of it I was really into that and willing to like open my mind Mm. and my soul to that experience um but it just didn't help for me what did help was the first thing regular manicures so regular regularly having my nails done um is probably the biggest thing that helped yes it's expensive in terms of I'm talking you say that but I remember when we first met and you were like yeah I've just snapped off my SNS like or shellac or whatever you You are so you raise such a good caveat to this right so not just any manicure What's worked really well for me, it's called Builder in a Bottle or Builder Gel or Biab for short. And basically, it's not as thick as SNS, which is that kind of powdered coating that sits on top of the nail. Um, it's more durable, but it also can be quite thick. And then when it does come off, it kind of, you know, if you are prone to picking your nails, it can come off just as one whole mm. false nail. Um, and then I've also tried shellac, which is more like, paint peeling so when you have Mm. when you're a nail picker you can peel it off like peeling paint off biab sits in the middle it's a different type of gel but it's much more durable than your regular shellac you you can't really peel it off and it's just also more durable in terms of that if your hands are still you know in and around your mouth um Mm. it's just not as um flimsy i guess as shellac so biab manicures Mm every two to three weeks. When I'm being good, I can go three to four weeks um, now that I'm, you know, on the other side and feel reformed. But in the beginning, it was Mm. really that two to three weeks on the mark, having them done because they haven't grown out so much as you can start lifting, you can, they start Mm. to annoy you, all of that. And for anyone that And it's also been really fun to do nail art, just like having a bit more fun with nails. I will say for anyone that's listening, I mean, I don't know, Matthew, if you would be interested in doing some nail art, but say you weren't and you just wanted a a nice, subtle, um, discreet, clear, then you can definitely do Biab 2 as just a clear polish, just something Mm -hmm. on your nails that you physically cannot bite through. Yeah. Do you think it was also because, like, if you're getting like regular things done to your nails, you were just more aware of it as well. So it was less of a subconscious thing. Like you're more aware that you're constantly getting work done on your nails, that it's not, you know what I mean? Like you're really associated with something. Yeah. I think the fact that they look nice is, you know, it's like when something's nice, you're more incentivized to take care of it. Mm, Like, you know, when you have your own place and you get your nice linen and you get all your stuff sorted and you're like, oh yeah, I actually don't want this place to be a complete dump. Um, (laughs) same kind of approach. Um, but I also think it's literally that physical barrier. So I will say Mm. that I still tend to put my fingers in my mouth, which I know is disgusting. Um, (laughs) I know, but now it's more, I guess I'm not actually biting the nail. I'm just kind of like, I don't want to say sucking on my thumb because I'm not, 
<laughs> I'm not an infant, but it's still, I just physically can't bite through them. And that is enough for that first yeah. period to break the habit. Cause you've got to have it continuously for a little while to be able to then break that habit. I reckon a lot of people have similar habits because I had to overcome one that I had for literally my whole life. I would just like pick the sides of the skin on one on like my thumbs and that was just an anxious habit. And so there would always be like skin there to pick at, but that affected my nail beds. So my thumbnails would grow out and they look like gorilla nails. So they'd have like all these ridges in them. And it was for years. And I thought that it was from like an actual injury or something because I couldn't, I didn't put two and two together. And then one of my friends was like, no, I think that's a nervous like tick that you're doing and it's affecting your nail bed. And then I stopped doing it. Like I consciously forced myself to stop doing it. And I have normal nails now. How did you do that? Love that. Were you just able to remember? Yeah, I just caught myself every time I was doing it. And, yeah, I kept my um, cuticles really hydrated as well so that there was no dry skin that I could pick at. Um, And, yeah, kept my cuticles trimmed as well and that really helped too. There'd be so many people with the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Another thing that has helped me a lot is this is really like a breaking habit 101 right because it's like if you're trying to do something and you tell the people that you live with or you tell your partner or you tell your friends hey I'm doing this thing I'm really trying to not bite my nails can you just like flag it when I do um you Mm. know my partner and I actually do this back and forth to each other because he is a picker and I'm a biter so um Mm. yeah on the couch watching tv it can get kind of a bit annoying because it's like (laughs) <laughs> Oi, stop picking. Oi, stop biting. Stop picking. Like, but having someone that can help flag it with those unconscious things, whether it's your housemate, you guys are watching TV yeah, together. Because they'll notice it before you do. Yeah. yeah. That has been really helpful. Um, the other thing that I've found great is when I'm having breaks from manicures. So, say you're not going to go out and spend the money on manicures, it's not in everyone's budget, absolutely. Um, kind of being quite routine about using nail strengthener um, as well as the cuticle oil, kind of, yeah, making that, working that into your daily routine does help because if you're a nail biter, I can guarantee your nails are so thin. When mine first started Mm. growing back out after years of biting, they were so thin. The, what do you call that white bit at the top? The tips were like all uneven and a bit raggedy. Sometimes Mm. they were bumpy. They were honestly, they grew past, I don't know, a few millimetres and they could just bend over, like bending, folding a piece of paper in half. So so kind of accepting that they might break and that's kind of part of the journey, but using your nail strengthener, like I love the OPI nail strengthener. Mm, I do too. Just the plain is amazing. But I can say that once you get in, now I haven't bitten my nails for probably like over a year. And I'm really like, and even when I go to do it. What an Thank you. Mm. Thanks everyone. <laughs> um, and also replacing that habit with something else. So while I don't bite anymore, what I do do is kind of run the nails underneath each other so I'm still fiddling yeah I'm still fiddling with my nails but because they are stronger now it's like okay it's the lesser of two evils I feel like you've really conquered this so I'm gonna make sure that all the info from your um other pieces of content that you've done are in the episode notes uh because those fellow nail biters out there they need all the help they can get so 
you're the poster girl for quitting nail biting. And I would say that um, it can be kind of tricky to find a manicurist or a nail um, person that uses Biab in terms of like advertisers that they use it. Mm. Um, but yeah. often if you just ask wherever you go, like just ask them if they have it, build, mm. her in a, build her in a bottle, build a gel. Usually they'll just say yes, like that it's just one of those extra, I guess, more little known types of manicures yeah. that you can get. Um, and then I would just say, um, Joe, maybe you could um, sign on as Matthew's nail biting buddy. I could be his sponsor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sponsor. and you know, <laughs> when you're having your conversations, when you're recording your, po- your, your podcast, just really gently but firmly say, yeah. Matthew, and I'll stop get Eddie biting on your nails. As well. yeah. No, I like that idea because I think it. you're so right in terms of like other people will notice it way before you notice doing it yourself. Mm. And I, I'm sure yeah. plenty of people have noticed me doing it. They just haven't said anything. So that's definitely a habit I'd like to break. Well, I'm happy to support you in that, Matthew. Thanks, Jojo. Well, thanks, Amy, for joining us to chat about your nail-biting journey. You, you really are an inspirational human. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Joe. Thanks for that. Uh, lovely words. I've really enjoyed these. <laughs> so, Hannah, something you've been experiencing a lot is a resurgence of your melasma that has popped up since you've been over in Thailand. So, you actually suggested mm-hmm. that we bring on. I asked. Yes, you, I asked. You, you did. To do you this. did. Uh, so, we've got Dr. Cara <laughs> McDonald from Complete Skin Specialists joining us today. Welcome back to the podcast, Cara. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me. It's good timing because I was just with Cara at a La Roche-Posay event talking all about mm-hmm. sun protection. So, Hannah, maybe you want to start us off talking about what's going on with your pigmentation at the moment. Yeah, so my skin was so good before. I, it was so clear. All the pigmentation had, like, really faded. Um, the melasma, you couldn't really see, like, the, the moustache above my lip. Um, and then I've got a little bit around the eyes and then definitely on the nose I have, like, all these sunspots. And it kind of all had faded and it was looking really good before I got here. And then I got to Thailand. I've been wearing 50-plus on my face. I wear a hat when I go out. I actually have been avoiding the sun as much as I can but just walking around, exercising outside, it's definitely like especially on the nose, like I can just, it's kind of that, all the sunspots on my nose that kind of look like big freckles. So that's where I'm at. Um, I guess that ties into a little bit um, of those myths that we were talking about. I think it was Matt and I did an interview and we're talking about, you know, sun exposure myths. But even though you're using mm -hmm. those measures, you're still getting Mm -hmm. sun exposure, obviously, you know, through being outside. Unavoidable. Yeah. Unavoidable in Thailand. It's 30 degrees and sunny every day. What can you do? You can't just sit in your hotel room all day. Well, that's probably a question for Cara. (laughs) What can you do, Hannah? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm feeling really sorry for you right now. So um, (laughs) you might just have to suffer. Um, (laughs) Well, look, you know, you've pretty much summed it all up, haven't you? You've got all the different kinds of pigmentation showing up and um, just to kind of cover them off we've got melasma which is a very complex um, condition known to be linked to uv light heat in some people heat Mm. exposure visible light your hormones and your genetics Um, and so it's a very complicated condition and we know that it just takes the right mix of 
the right things to uh, for it to rebound and flare right up if you're genetically prone to it. And it can just be as simple as heat. So even if you did mm-hmm. stay in your hotel room, um, it may flare up in Thailand. Um, then you've got the sort of freckling you're talking about and, um, you know, that is your skin's distress call. That is saying that um, I'm trying to protect myself from the sun. So we know that pigmentation of any sort, whether it's a tan or sunspots, freckles, to some degree is an activation of the the pigments. So the pigment cells called melanocytes, they, they activate in the skin when they get exposed to UV light. And that is a simple, simple protective mechanism like a shade cloth trying to shade uh, your important base layer of cells. So any sign of pigmentation is is you trying to protect the underlying cells, which are the important ones to prevent cancer down the track. And then, you know, you've the other common types of pigmentation we see are post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So if you do have any acne breakouts or rashes, dermatitis, depending on your skin type, you might end up with pigmentation. And it's a good good to think of that, that a tan or, or pigment in your sunspots is kind of the the pigment raising up in the top layer of the skin and shading it, whereas post-inflammatory pigmentation is when those pigment cells get inflamed or damaged and they drop their pigment down into the deeper layer of the skin, the dermis, and it gets trapped there sort of between the collagen bundles. And that's why it tends to look a kind of darker, sometimes slightly grey colour, and it doesn't mm. it doesn't peel off like a tan will or fade out mm. like a tan will. It's much slower as your body clears it up. So they're the kind of main main types of pigmentation. Mm. Um, the well, I'm guessing what from what you were saying that all kinds of pigmentation will get worse in warmer, hot climates. Is that right? Yes, I mean it depends um, a lot on your skin type and whether you were kind of designed for that climate or not. I think which mm. most of us fair skin people weren't. And then you've got people who were designed for that sun exposure and climate and their skin will still darken as as a protective mechanism if they're exposed to the sun and lighten if they don't have UV exposure. And they have all other sort of um, issues with pigmentary problems because they've got a naturally darker baseline. They're actually more prone to some conditions that are caused by excess pigmentation. So melasma is sort of quite common in medium to dark skin tones. Sunspots obviously aren't because they don't have that sort of need to suddenly, you know, protect themselves and the damage done from the sun. And post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is also much more common in darker skin types because they've just got a lot more pigment in their skin to get inflamed and, Mm. and drop down if they do have damage to the skin. But, yeah, I mean, just coming back to what you're saying about using all the sun protection you can and so on, you know, we cannot, um, unless we're in like a, a complete blackout, completely prevent that UV getting through and mm. um, any sweating, any, you know, exercise, being outdoors, those things obviously increases the chance of your sun protection being a little bit less effective. Mm-hmm. So, Kari, you've kind of mentioned a few factors already, but are there any other factors that make someone more susceptible to 
hyperpigmentation or pigmentary disorders? Yeah, look, there's there's lots of different ones and I think every every group has has its own problems. So, you know, the mm-hmm. fair-skinned people are more prone to freckling, to skin cancers, which can also give you pigmentation or pigmented spots, um, to benign sunspots and, and kind of that distress call. Then you've got your medium skin tones, which tend to be more prone to melasma and darker skin tones, which are more prone to post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, as I said. There's also just racial variation, which, you know, even amongst the same skin colour, so to speak, you know, you'll get people with darker areas on their skin, darker circles around their eyes and that sort of thing, and that Mm -hmm. can just be a genetic variation. So they're the things that make you more prone. And then there's obviously these underlying genetic factors that we don't fully understand. Um, so we've realised with melasma there's a component of blood vessel abnormality in the skin as well, and certainly we know it's linked with hormones, so it's more common in uh, women of sort of childbearing age and especially those who are pregnant or on oral contraceptive pills, so more um, hormones in the system. They tend Mm -hmm. to get more pigmentation and, yeah, they're the main factors that would make you prone, I think. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, and this has probably happened, like if I go to a really hot place on holidays, I'm coming back to Melbourne winter and then I kind of get back on my skin treatments and I'm using more actives and I do find that it does sort of go back and it fades, like it's not like it's permanent. Is that sort of experience universal for people that, you know, when you start sort of treating the pigmentation that you can actually treat it quite well? Yes. Again, very variable, but but on the whole, I mean, it is unfortunately a chronic condition, pigmentation of the skin. And you are, you are always going, if you're prone to it, you're always going to be prone to it. And you'll find you kind of have this relapsing and remitting kind of pattern where you get it really good. You just look outside mm. and all of a sudden it, you know, flares up again. <laughs> and then you spend, mm. you know, all this time and energy trying to get it good again. Some people struggle to clear it more than others. So some people are really responsive to treatment and just the right skincare, the right sun protection and, you know, not being outdoors quite as much can be wonderful. And then other people have really sort of stubborn um, types of melasma and pigmentation that requires, you know, possibly prescription treatments or um, other, you know, interventions are sometimes helpful and so on. But it's really individual, but I think the most important thing is to realise that it is chronic for everyone. Like it's, it is something that you mm. can't really cure. Um, mm-hmm. mm. So dealing with it yep. is going to be a lifelong fun. From my experience, I found that skincare and treatments has like has really when I've gone on a holiday and I come back and I get back, I get back on top of it, and it really fades back to you know not not noticeable. But um, on the topic of skincare, what ingredients would someone look for if they're sort of trying to treat their pigmentation um number one of course um is spf so you know the first thing you want to do is is block block the uv light as much as possible so the higher the spf the better make sure it's broad spectrum so it covers uva because uva plays a big role in pigmentation and also some people are susceptible to visible light so um, something like iron oxide, which is often in um, like tinted sunscreens uh, and in makeup um, can be really helpful for some people. So it's worth just knowing that protection, protection, protection is probably the most effective thing we do. 
Then there are, you know, there are a whole lot of different ingredients that can be used in skincare to help pigmentation to reduce its production and also lighten what's there. There's a group called tyrosinase inhibitors, which kind of basically inhibit the way that the, the pigment is transferred from the pigment cell and reduces pigmentation. So the common ones we see, vitamin C, an antioxidant, can be helpful for, for pigmentation. Retinols um, or, or prescription retinoids as well can be very, very good. There's another prescription ingredient known as hydroquinone, which in low strengths can be over the counter, but in higher strengths in Australia, you have to have prescribed. And it's probably the most effective um, active ingredient we have for reducing pigment in skincare. Hannah, you might be able to get that just off the shelf in Thailand. <laughs> no, I do. I did bring, well, on that note, but I, I'm, I'm very cautious about I've got the super fade yes good um that I got from chemist warehouse I'm just super careful about using it because it scares me and I don't know that I haven't used it while I've been here I did bring it over with me but I just feel like it's so strong I'm just a bit nervous about using it what are your thoughts on the the hydroquinone which I know is a really um if you're not used to it hydroquinone um can be irritating and then you can risk post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which mm. is one risk with hydroquinone. And that's I'd why, heard. you know, you need to be really careful when you use any of these, um, especially the prescription ingredients. So we tend to always get people to introduce them really slowly, either short contact. Short contact's really great if you want to avoid irritation and it could be a good thing to do mm -hmm. um, in Thailand. So essentially cleanse your face, put it wherever your pigmentation mm -hmm. is specifically for half an hour then cleanse your face again and do your other skincare. I am so glad oh. we had this chat. I'm going to do that tonight. <laughs> and, and that's very unlikely to cause any irritation and um, is still really quite effective at um, okay. treating the pigmentation. Oh. So this is why I needed this chat. <laughs> I brought it over and I was like, what do I do? I'm too scared to use it over here. Like it's so strong. And I have, when I put it above my lip, I'm like, oh, it just feels a bit irritating. I didn't want to, I heard about the um, hyperpigmentation as well. So that's a good little tip. Um, were there any other ingredients you wanted to cover, Cara? Um, yeah. So in, you know, over the counter um, products and skincare, you'll see things like licorice root extract, mulberry, azelaic acid, arbutin, um, they're probably the most common ones, but there are lots mm -hmm. of sort of plant-based ingredients that have been shown to kind of reduce pigmentation and brighten the skin. But the most effective things are antioxidants, high SPF, and then your prescription ones we mentioned. And then the other ones are probably more like in your maintenance phase, they're very good for reducing your risk of recurrence as you avoid the sun as well. What vitamin C do you use out of interest? Uh, C for Rolic. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> I, I don't even know why I asked that. <laughs> yeah. um, so as Hannah mentioned, uh, her pigmentation has improved with clinical treatments. So mm -hmm. are there any clinical treatments like lasers or peels that are effective for reducing the appearance of pigmentation? Yes, but you need to be very, very careful because um, there are lots of claims out there that, you know, we'll, we can treat your pigmentation, we can treat your melasma, we'll do this and do that. And many types of pigmentation look a little bit better after a treatment and then can rebound and sometimes even come back worse than ever. Mm. 
So on the whole, energy-based devices, which are kind of lasers, IPL, um, that sort of thing, are not great for melasma. Melasma mm. is extremely sensitive to um, trauma and heat and tends to, to bounce back even if it looks a bit better initially. Um, there are some very specific lasers like a Pico, which um, is a very short pulsed kind of uh, direct energy and can be very helpful at clearing pigmentation and much less likely to flare it up again. But you really want to go to someone who's a pigmentation specialist if you have melasma. Mm-hmm. Um, other sunspots, so like benign kind of lentigos and freckling and just sort of um, blotchy sun damage is treated with lasers really effectively. In general, very safe so long as you, you're treating the right um, person and they're not tanned and, you know, all those other things. The other thing people should just be aware of, you know, because I'm a dermatologist, is make sure that you've got a diagnosis first. Mm. Um, you know, I've I've ha- had more than one person attend our clinic to get a, a sunspot lasered off and it's turned out to be a melanoma on their face. And yeah. um, so everyone should just beware of, I think the ugly duckling is is the best way to, you know, just for people to think about it because most melanomas, if you've got, you know, 50 freckles on your face or 50 sunspots, if one of them looks different, you know, that's the one that you might want to look at. But if you've only got one sunspot, you know, that really needs a diagnosis before it's treated mm. because you never get 50 melanomas that look the same. So you can kind of broadly say, well, I've got these kind of freckles everywhere. But if you've got one that's darker, bigger, changing, change, 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 and the ugly duckling. So just putting that out there. Don't ever laser them off if you can avoid it. Um, And so peels are really good for helping um, maintain melasma as well. Some people use microneedling or assisted delivery of drugs. So the microneedling doesn't really help pigmentation, but it can help deliver those active ingredients into the skin, um, which is helpful. And the the peels obviously need to be the right sort of ingredients, so retinols and so on as well, to target pigmentation for maintenance. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Cara McDonald. You can find her at Complete Skin Specialist. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. My pleasure as always. This is waiting for me when I get home. Um, I went to the Grown Alchemist, like they've got that retail store where we went and had those mm-hmm. IV drips done. Yes. Um, and I picked myself up the hand wash. So it's mm-hmm. the Grown Alchemist hand wash. So there's this, the, the sweet orange cedarwood sage. But the really good thing about it is so it's, it is $38 for the hand wash. It's a 500 mil. But what I really like about this range is they've got the refill. So I think that's mm-hmm. new on site. So there's like a 500 mil refill, which I think is particularly for hand wash because you go through so much hand wash. Mm. I think it's really nice to have like something that's refillable. So they basically have that sweet orange hand wash in a refill. It's like a soft woody scent. I just did that with my Lumira hand wash. Yeah, that's also, I yeah. love the hand wash too. Um, but the other ingredients that it's got in it is coconut oil. So that um, is good for like aging on the hands. So mm-hmm. um, that's really hydrating. It's obviously got the sweet orange oil, which also 
also promotes deep hydration. You've got cedar wood, which is anti-inflammatory, and then sage extract. So that helps promote blood circulation. Um, so that's that's the ingredients. But, I mean, who cares about ingredients nice. in a hand wash? You just want it to smell yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want it to leave your hands really dry. Yeah, no, exactly. Probably want something that's going to be because we do wash our hands a lot more these days. A lot, yeah. So my product I didn't know I needed today, you know that I love the It Cosmetics Confidence in a Cream. I rave about that constantly. I love to use it underneath my makeup or on days where I just feel like using it as a moisturizer. Um, So they now have a confidence in an eye cream. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if this is a reformulation or not. I actually haven't looked too far into it. I feel like they did have one, but I could be wrong. Um, So I received it in a package with a few new serums by Cosmetics. So you can go and check those out if you want to know more about those. But they've got a range of serums now as well. Um, But I started using the Confidence in Eye Cream underneath my eyes before putting makeup on. Mm. And I actually think it's made a difference to creasing. Because normally I do like my base first and then when I'm coming back to finish off my makeup and like do powder and everything, I'll usually have a bit of concealer settle in the fine lines under my eyes. So like I have these little creases under my eyes when I smile. Um, Mm -hmm. So I tend to find that I get a little bit of concealer creasing in there when I'm doing my makeup and then I just kind of buff that away and put my powder on to set it. But when I was doing my makeup the other day with this, they hadn't settled in there. Mm. So I feel like it's just really hydrating. It's got some nice ingredients in it as well. Um, So it's got a ceramide complex. It's got avocado, licorice root and squalane. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice and hydrating, smooths out the area. So if you find you get quite dry under eyes, I don't know how you'd go with it if you had really sensitive eyes, but it cosmetics has been created by dermatologists and it doesn't have any scent or anything. So I assume it would be okay. Um, but yeah, if you find that you suffer with creasing or you just can't get that smooth finish under your eyes, then I would recommend perhaps giving this a crack. I haven't been using it at night as my because I use quite active kind of serums under my eyes during at night uh mm-hmm. so this is my pre makeup or morning eye cream at the moment and it's 61 bucks so it's not super super expensive it'll take you ages to go through the pot uh because it's 15 mils i always find that with eye creams eye yeah, creams never would, never run i out. honestly don't think i'll ever get through this <gasps> eye cream yeah. um but yeah it's it's not the most expensive i've ever used but it's also not the cheapest so it's kind of in that middle range but yeah that's my PWDKWN for today. So there is a new potty that you've been working on, there is. Jojo. There yeah. is a new potty. Matthew and I have been working on this with uh, Ross, who probably listeners who love Adore Beauty would know Ross from other content we've worked Hilarious. on with him. He's one of the funniest people I know. Same, oh. same. When we were recording all of yeah. the footage, I was just in stitches. He was telling like the most outrageous stories. It was so funny. Um, And also Shanti from our team as well, who you would have heard on this podcast before. I'm pretty sure we've had her on um, as a guest. And she, I've always said to Shanti, she has such a soothing voice. She could host Mm. one of those meditation podcasts. So it's a really, really good mix. Um, They're so dynamic together. I love it. Uh, so if you want to learn more about makeup, they're covering pretty much everything you need to know. So if you're wanting to just revamp your whole makeup technique or knowledge or, you know, you don't really know anything about makeup and you want to learn, that's a really good place to start. 
Um, and also there's heaps happening on our Facebook group. I'm loving all of our <laughs> listeners asking questions and they help each other. I don't even have to go in there. They're oh. like answering each other's questions. It's really, really cute and I love it. Um, uh-huh. It's so nice to see that there's a community around this podcast. Yeah. It's really been oh. quite rewarding to see. So Speaking of communities, yeah. I, I bumped yes. into our first, I was going to tell you I bumped into our first the first listener in Thailand that I've that's actually come yes. up to me in Thailand. Yeah, you didn't tell so, me this full story. Tell hi, Erica. So hi, Erica. Um, she'll be listening. Oh, sorry. I <laughs> I was at the um doing an ice bath, and I was mm-hmm. like waiting, like my turn to go in to do it. And she's doing like a yoga teacher training at the place that I did the ice bath. And she came up to me and she said she's from Ireland. I was like, how did oh, you find wow. out about the podcast? So her, I think yeah. her sister listened to it and got her onto it and got her mum onto it. Oh, and so yeah. they all listened to it. Oh. Yeah, it was really cute. She said, she's like, I knew you were in Thailand. I just didn't think like I'd bump into you. <laughs> well, hi, Erica. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, people have asked me for our psychic update a number of times. <laughs> I know we're putting it off because we're like, I- we're like, we're not sure what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I feel we have, I feel like I'm keeping this big secret, but um, <laughs> I said on Single Minded, my other podcast, I said, people keep messaging me, asking me who's taking the photos of me. Ooh. Like, oh, and the, wor- <laughs> the worst was that I was, I did the ice bath and I was like next to some random guy. Yes. And of course, of course, people start commenting who's the guy who and I'm like I don't know him that's not not the guy (laughs) that's not the guy but there is a guy (laughs) if 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 only you guys could hear Joe and I before we start recording because like it all comes out in our pre-recording it all comes out before we're like what gossip have you got this week I I reckon what we should do in a month when it's played out for another month then I think we update yes good or the the good and the bad because it you know both of yeah it might all fall apart. So we want, why don't we just update in a month? Yeah, we'll get into this at a later time. We're Let's still just in a observing the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.